Hey! This is JJ and Alex. I made a name for myself, I told you I won't be denied. As you wrap up your day, it's time to get your fix of the teams you live for and the sports you love. This is JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. JJ and Alex continues now into the 4 o'clock hour. Jeremiah Jensen, Mitch Harper sitting in for Alex Carey. Alex will be back on Wednesday tomorrow. Our guest will be Stevenson Sylvester. So if you're a Utah football fan, Sly's going to give you a nice breakdown tomorrow, just, just like we did with Mitch today for BYU. Spring football is about to get underway across the state. But let's be honest. We are what? Four days away from March, which means yes. what? It's yeah. March Madness season. That's right. <laughs> Can't wait. Three weeks away, we get a bracket. Oh, on this three Mon- weeks? On this Monday, on, on, oh my. it'll just be wall-to-wall breaking down the, the, the bracket. How, awesome. am I, uh, how am I supposed to do a radio show? Because <laughs> this is the first year I'll be doing a radio show during the afternoon when all those tournament games are going on and I can't watch them. I have to actually broadcast <laughs> Dude, we got TV right here. You're good. I can't sit here and watch TV, though. That's bad radio. (laughs) Multitask, man. You've been doing this for years, Jeremy, and Mitch, you too. I'm kind of new to this, the daily, and I'm not sure how I'm going to manage. I think I'm going to be a little distracted. I might have the sniffles that week, Jeremy. If I uh, come come down with the flu or something, I apologize in advance. Uh, yeah, we're three weeks away, and I'm already feeling a little under the weather that week. <laughs> so we might have to find another fill-in. But you'll yes, just, you'll just need to get a credential for the games over across the street. Well, this, so, this is crazy, Mitch. We got we're hosting the NCAA tournament here in Salt Lake City. The Utah women could host the first two rounds if they get yes. a four-seater higher, and we could have not one, not two, not three, but possibly four men's teams in the tournament now. We need to look into how that's going to happen, if it's going to happen. That's what we're going to do right now. It's March Madness, and it's the cut. It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made the cut with J.J. and Alex on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Get the official debit cards of the Utah Jazz, University of Utah Sports, Real Salt Lake, and more exclusively at America First Credit Union. They sponsored the cut today. March Madness. It's almost here. Tournament projections. It's getting serious. I think uh, Joey Brackets, Joe Lenardi, he's starting to do almost the daily thing now. We're getting to that point. It's getting serious. It's getting serious. Let's start with BYU, Mitch. Uh, Letting people know this. This is awesome, by the way. You're headed to Kansas tomorrow. You're heading back to Lawrence. We went to Lawrence in September. That football stadium it was, was a c- cement dungeon. dungeon. Yeah, it yeah. looked like a group of five stadium. We won't get into that. It's tear- It's tore down now. So uh, There you go. Yeah. They are in the process of changing that. Good for them. They, they need to start playing big boy football. <laughs> but when it comes to big boy basketball, yes. no one's better than Kansas. The Blue Bloods, one of the great programs from Wilt Chamberlain all the way to now. Former jazz man Ochai Abaji won a national title with Kansas. So that's just – and Bill Self has just been on an incredible run. Now, I don't know if Kansas is at that level this year. We'll find out. It looks like Houston is definitely the class of the Big 12. And how about Houston coming in their first year in the Big 12 and and being the big bully? Although it hasn't been that clear cut. But anyway, 
wanted to mention to everybody that Mitch is headed to Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence to cover BYU-Kansas tomorrow. That's exciting. Uh, BYU's first trip. Has BYU played in the Fieldhouse before? 1971. 1971. And you know, it's interesting. I, 53 I went, years. I went back in the history to look at this. Tomorrow will be BYU's fourth game ever in Allen Fieldhouse, only the second against Kansas. They played a game against Kansas State in 1959 in the Sunflower Showdown in Allen Fieldhouse. And they also played a game in 71 against Cincinnati in a Jayhawk Classic. Uh, so they've played some games, but only the second against Kansas in that historic building. And, you know, I, I think it might be the biggest brand BYU has ever gone up against. I mean, they had a game in the 90s with Duke in, in Maui. Uh, they faced North Carolina a handful of times. It was faced, in Vegas, I remember. Against Louisville Tyler Hansborough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they've, they've faced some big brands, but I think, you know, Kansas is, unlike Big 12 football, Big 12 basketball has that blue blood, that brand that every the oxygen of the league centers around them. And, look, Kansas is beatable this year. They're not beatable at home. And Allen Fieldhouse, they're 14-0 there. They're 313. I couldn't believe this. 313 and 17 since Bill Self took over as head coach in 2004 at home. By comparison, Mark Pope has already lost 12 games in the Marriott Center, a tough place to play, since he became the head coach in 2019. No one goes into Allen Fieldhouse and wins. So it's one of those games for BYU tomorrow where it's almost like, I know Mark Pope would cringe here in this and so would players, but it's one of those games where a moral victory could be a good thing, where you go a full 40 minutes and take them to the wire and and show well. That can make you feel good coming out of Lawrence, but uh, if you get thumped and you get blown out, well, you'd be like, oh, it's kind of expected. But at the same time, this BYU team's kind of reeling a little bit because defensively it has fallen off a cliff the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, around February 10th, they were a top 25 defensive team. Now they're down to 68th. They are, they're giving up 84 points per game the last four games. They are just not looking good on the defensive end. And then you pair that up with poor shooting, 19% from three against K-State. You're not going to win any games, home or away, if you put that product together. So BYU's got to find some answers, and it's not the best a spot to get those answers when you're going up against a blue blood like Kansas. Certainly not. But if you look at the schedule the next four games, I mean, probably going to drop those roadies, right? Kansas yeah. at Iowa State. I mean, that's tough. Even though they beat Iowa State Provo, that's – Hilton Coliseum. Houston lost the names. And so did Kansas. Right, exactly. But TCU at home, Oklahoma State at home. Got to get that Oklahoma State game. One of the worst losses of the season for BYU. They could finish 500 in league this year, which is pretty good. And when you finish 500 in league in the Big 12, you can get a pretty good NCAA tournament seed. The net ranking is still at 13. Last I checked, maybe that's changed. So as you look at their uh, prospects for March, I feel like they're a lock. I don't think there's any way you're keeping them out of the tournament. Even if they lost their last four here, I still think they're solidly in. Obviously, that seed could change. Do you feel like that's you know, looking at all the stuff you're looking at and where they stand? What seed do you think they're looking at here? I think they're going to be a, a six or a seven. And I, I, I maybe I, I err on the side of a little bit lower because BYU is just so hard to place in the bracket. It's an underrated storyline that I think – outside of the Joe Lenardis who do it all the time with bracketology and they understand the intricacies for the casual bracketologist, they don't maybe understand how the quadrants are very limited for BYU. And there's very few Thursday, Saturday opportunities. I mean, instantly when that bracket rolls out, half the field is not available to BYU. And then within that half, uh, you're not going to put them in a one seed. You're not going to put them in a two seed. So then it it narrows down 
And then you add in the Salt Lake component. And if you're not good enough to warrant that placement, you're probably looking at a seven, maybe in Charlotte, Omaha, or Pittsburgh. So I, I, that's where I kind of put BYU. And, and look, that's fine because even though BYU has had moments of high-level play, look, they've only been to the tournament uh, twice since 2015. I mean, that's wow. it hasn't, it's been a long gap. And it feels strange because Mark Pope has really had some good teams, even that first year, but that was taken away with the pandemic. But, but they're not getting the dance often. And, and so it, just getting in that field in year one in the Big 12 – that's a huge accomplishment for BYU, and I feel like you're right. I think they're comfortably in, and I think they're going to be around a seven range. You know how well BYU does in the tournament? I mean, it's going to depend on matchups. My biggest concern with BYU is when the threes don't fall, they yeah. don't win. And you get in a tournament in a weird venue you've never been in, but you had one practice to figure out how to shoot in that venue. I've covered BYU in the NCAA tournament. I've covered <laughs> everybody here in the state in the NCAA tournament. Utah State, just ask the Aggies. They shoot yes. the lights out in Vegas, and then they go to wherever, and then they can't find the bottom of the ocean. It happens. What do you do when that happens? Are you built to win when you're not knocking down threes? Can you grind out wins? That's my concern with BYU in the tournament. And I think the big question to maybe alleviate those concerns has got to be the play of Dallin Hall. Dallin Hall's got to be awesome for BYU down the stretch. And there's been too many games as of late where I feel like he's – underperformed and at times maybe been a liability. I didn't think he played well against K-State. He was really bad against Oklahoma State. And look, Dallin Hall's had good games this year. I mean, he had a eight-assist game against West Virginia, and that's where they won on the road and had a breakthrough. So he's got to play well. And, you know, BYU, when that ball is is alive and they're passing that thing around, that's when they're playing great. And because they, I, I always worry, too, about a team that just doesn't have a star. And I know Mark Pope has said – We've got a lot of guys that can, you know, get the shot in a clutch situation, and that could be right. I think Jackson Robinson is probably the bet there, but I just think when things go sideways, who's going going to be that, hey, I got the team. I'm putting this on my back. Um, let me just go get a bucket. I don't think they got that guy still, and you're heading into March, and you still don't have that, and look, that's just who you are, and that's fine. BYU had some limitations with this roster. The fact that they're even in this spot, I think people can be pretty excited about, but I feel like if you're going to make a run – you have to have star power in the in March Madness because the only times BYU goes the second weekend, JJ, is when they have the Naismith Player of the Year, yeah. Jimmer or Danny Ainge. If you don't have the best player in the sport, you're going to have an early exit, and yeah. that's just what it is for BYU hoops. So the good thing is what I what gives me excitement for them is that. I don't think they're going to be phased. Like, you probably covered those games when they face Texas A&M, and you go, oh, my gosh, this Josh Carter, just the size, the length. They've never seen anything like this, whereas they've seen it all in the Big 12. They've seen the size, the athleticism. This will not shock them if they get a, you know, a power 16 that's big and athletic. Like, they've seen that every yeah. night in this league, and maybe that gives them a chance to step out of league and play a little bit better, but uh, it's just BYU's history in the, in the dance says – you're probably going to have an early exit because that's just what they've done until they rewrite that narrative. You're right. I, that that also concerns me too. You got to have a go-to. You got to have you got to have a Sam Merrill type guy. Yeah. Uh just to use a local reference of somebody who can get you through in that clutch moment who's going to who's up to that moment that that one shining moment. Yep. To use the cliche, when you need a big shot, the clock's running down, it's a tight game, who's making that play for you? I don't know if they have that dude. We'll find out. Utah State, let's turn our attention to the Aggies. What a story they've been this year. Danny Sprinkle comes in, takes over this program with zero points, not just zero starters or zero players, zero points returning from last year's team. 
and they're in the top 25 as we head into March. They will be a ranked team by the 1st of March. What a year they've had. What a, what a run by Danny Sprinkle to turn this team into a winner in a short period of time. Sure, he brought some guys he was familiar with from Montana State, his coaching staff as well, along with some players, great Osibor, Darius Brown. They have been amazing, and you've got some really good players on that team. They play really good team basketball. That's a team that doesn't shoot the three well. Yeah. This is I, I, I'm a little higher on Utah State's chances in March because I feel like they can win ugly, and they have found ways to win tight games over and over and over again this season. Remember the crazy five point play they had yeah. to have to win at UNLV. Just like, how are you guys? How are you guys doing this? We talk to Scott Gerard all the time. He, I pass him in, in the hallway every time. He's like, I don't know how much longer this can continue. They just keep finding ways to win. Well, winning is a skill, and somehow, some way, this team that brought so few players back from last year and no points returning has developed the skill of winning and winning in the clutch. They've won some close games this year. They had another one. Uh, beating ranked San Diego State in the spectrum. Yes, obviously they're they're tough to beat in the spectrum. It certainly helps. It was obviously different at Viejas, but that's how college basketball works. It's tough to win on the road. They took care of business at home against San Diego State. I love the way this team's built. I love the way they play. They've got a big that can really get after it, mixes it up, physical, can score in the post, can score on the outside as well. And they got a good solid point guard in Darius Brown. Mason Falls is a nice wing. They've got dudes on that team that can really play well, and they've got some size in the middle. They seem to have a lot of the elements that you need to succeed in March. We're seeing them everywhere from a 5 to an 8 seed. I have no idea where they're going to land, but there's a very good chance they win the Mountain West regular season title because San Jose State, Fresno, Air Force, New Mexico, that's their schedule. They win out. They win the Mountain West. Any, they win the Mountain West in a year that the, the league's going to get six bids. Wow. That's what I was going to say, too, is that, you know, the Mountain West, I thought its its peak was in 2011 with Jimmer, Kawhi, UNLV when they were really rolling. New Mexico was good. I thought that's probably it's as good as it gets for the Mountain West. No, this is better this year. Yeah. And Mason Falslev, you brought him up. I mean, he's freshman of the week this year, this week in the Mountain West, and he was a heck of a signee coming out of high school, four-star guy, originally committed to Utah. He's become a really big piece for Utah State. And I think also the contributions from Isaac Johnson – uh, you know, transferring from Oregon, you know, he's seven footer. They've got size. They got a combination of like I, I like the component of they can win ugly because I just feel like in NCAA tournament games, the local teams, especially maybe it's just I'm jaded because I've seen so many heartbreak for these yeah. local teams. But I, you got to maybe be able to win a game fifty eight to fifty six potentially because the iron will be unkind for you in March. So I like that fact with this Utah State team and. Enjoy the ride because, you know, I, I know that, you know, Danny Sprinkle's name's already been tossed out as a name to watch in coaching circles, and that probably breaks the heart uh, hearts of Aggie fans because, I mean, when are you ever going to be able to keep a coach? But the thing is, you continue to get good hires, and you're in a spot to go make a run in March. And if you can go get a chance to advance the round of 32 for the first time since 01, like, that, that's huge. And I think they're going to get, you know, right now they're projected as a sixth seed, potentially. And that's going to give you the chance to go do it because – since 2001, most of these matchups have been 12 seed, 11 seed, 8, 9. Yeah. Not the ideal spots. If you can get a 6 seed, that just improves your odds. And now I know that's usually upset central, that 5, 12, 6, 11. But when you're that lower seed, the percentages say you're more likely than not to advance. So that would be huge for Utah State's efforts to get to that round of 32 for the first time in 23 years. Yeah, we'll see how the Mountain West tournament goes for the Yaggies. But, uh, and again, it's just all about matchups. Who knows? who you're going to play in that first round. Last year, Utah State had a really tough matchup with the Missouri team that played yeah. 
in the SEC that was really physical and had a star player, and they did they couldn't match it. And so you see how that plays out. Who knows what the matchup will be this year? But you, as you say, the seeding will really matter for Utah State because uh, the, be, the your chances of you know, when you're a six seed are a lot better than when you're a seven through ten. And I think you know on the on the downside, things trending backwards. Utah, I think, is Oof. is heading in the wrong direction when it comes to the bracket. And I don't think you know it's interesting in the future when they're in the Big Twelve. Utah, you know, I was looking at the kind of the history of the Big Twelve in their NCAA tournament last year. Iowa State earned a six seed despite losing seven of its last ten games. That's and I bring that up because that's kind of the trend Utah's on right now. They've lost four of their last five, and that win at UCLA was was big and that was important. But that setback at Colorado and Colorado's got a good talent. They're top twenty five recruiting classes, really good team as far as personnel, but they yep. haven't lived up to it. And to get thumped by twenty four, that just felt like a deflating moment for Utah's bubble, you know, sneaking in. I think if they're in, they're in Dayton. And that's in that Tuesday game. And, you know, just maybe getting into the field would be huge for Utah because it's been a long time for the Utes. But they are on the slide. And it feels like they're trending more in the bracketology projections to being out rather than one of those last four in. Yeah, it's been a minute since Utah's been in the tournament. And I know that there's a lot of frustration up on the hill about that. And there's frustration in the fan base. And when you're Utah and you have the story tradition they have, you expect more, and I think Craig Smith, when he took the job, knew that, and I'm sure that he's frustrated as anybody right now that they've had this late-season swoon. Injuries have played a role in that. Uh, the ball hasn't bounced their way. It did, fortunately, at US UCLA, but it didn't at USC, so they've had a really up-and-down season. Uh, the problem I think Utah has right now, Mitch, is sometimes you have a chance, whether it's you know late in the season or in the conference tournament, where you have a chance to get that win that will put you over the top. Outside of Arizona, who's that win in the Pac-12 tournament? So yep. they, they have a real problem here where they honestly feels after that loss to Colorado, it feels like they got to win out, at least get to the conference championship game to really make that push and get on the other side of the bubble. But outside of beating Arizona and Vegas, what is that win? Is Washington State enough of that win? I mean, obviously they, they are up there now. I mean, Washington State's probably with five seed in the NCAA tournament right now. Just came off that win against uh, Arizona and Tucson. They've had a great season, and their coach has done a great job there. But outside of those two teams, who are you beating in Vegas that's going to put you over the top? Who, who's going to help your net ranking? Who's going to help your uh, perception? I, I don't know. That's the tough place where Utah's at. Normally, in, in past years, the Pac-12 yep. would offer that, right? It's not offering that this year. Next three games are against sub-100 teams in Ken Palm. Yeah. And it's just... It's going to drag tough. the net ranking and, down. And the thing is, just before we get to break, I know we're up against it, but I mean, you bring up the net rating. Do you like this where it's the focus of quad one, quad two? Because I'll be honest, I mean, it's insane to me that BYU, they lost to a Oklahoma State, and that was a bad loss. I, yeah. I came away feeling like BYU played terrible. Yeah. But then it saved well. Well, it's quad two. Like, no, that was a terrible – your eyes didn't lie. That yeah. was a terrible performance, and but it's saved by, oh, quad two. Like, I, I just don't agree. I, I don't know if – maybe it's – I'm getting caught up in, in the moment, but it feels like it's more it's amplified more with just these net – whereas before there was the RPI, and I know there was probably gamesmanship with that too, but this whole quad one, quad two, it gets kind of frustrating because, like – I saw that Oklahoma State team many times. They haven't won hardly any games, and 
but yet because they're in the Big 12, it's Quatu, and right. it's an okay loss. Like it's just kind and of the Big strange. 12 is really benefiting yeah. from the system right now yeah. because there's so many good teams, and they started good. So yeah. beating up against each other isn't hurting you. <laughs> yeah. But when you're in the WCC, if you're BYU and you lost to, you know, pick pick your Portland, team, Pacific, Bobby Sharp, whoever, like you you nosedive, you're done. Yep. So it's frustrating because there were some really good BYU teams in the WCC that maybe didn't get a shot that they deserved, and maybe this BYU team's not as good as a seven seed, but we'll find out in March. But you know, what? I'm not going to BYU's not going to apologize. They're in the Big Twelve; oh, yeah. they don't care. But as I think, I just think you know, Utah. I think they're good enough to be in the field of sixty-eight. I think they're a good team, and they got the size to do that. I think be a factor. Yeah. But I just think that they're kind of hurt because the net is against them because yeah. the opponents left are not. Uh, they don't have the resumes, yeah. and before you even tip off the games, even if you just dump them, it might not work in your favor because these teams have a lower net rating. Yeah, Utah being punished because UCLA is having a down year, honestly, yeah, it's, because it's, the whole league is USC being down. A lot of teams in the uh, Pac-12 were better. Um, but you know what? It just hasn't been good enough for yeah. Utah. They they should they were in a position, a great position, and you can't have a late-season swoon like this. I think they're going to get punished for it. Weber State, we all know it comes down to the Big Sky Tournament. Yeah. They lost on Saturday at Idaho State. Idaho State. The regular season championship's not going to happen, but give me Dylan Jones. Three games in Boise at Starch Madness. I'm all in on the Wildcats winning that bid, upsetting Eastern Washington. I think the Wildcats are going to be in the tournament, so don't be surprised to see that. All right, we got to take a short break. When we come back, more way too early Big 12. It's one of the favorite topics we have here on JJ and Alex. <laughs> this time we have... Conference title odds for the Big 12. You're going to love this. BYU and Utah fans. We'll have that and more next. JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Love it. This is what you get. You're listening to JJ and Alex. Presented by G2G Bars. Don't touch that dial. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Step inside. Walk this way. You and me, babe. Hey, hey. Don't pour sugar on me. Don't do it. I'm not going to like it. You can catch Def Leppard on the Summer Stadium Tour 2024. Yes, Def Leppard is still performing as they make a stop at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on September 10th. Get your tickets now at LiveNation.com or listen to The Zone all day on Thursday, February 29th for your chance to win. Speaking of chances to win, a perfect segue for the way too early college football conference title odds, they are out. Vegas has released this information. Viva Las Vegas! <laughs> Viva Las Vegas! Viva! Viva Las Vegas! Let's go! Perfect Here we go, Mitch. Represent, representation of Vegas right there. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Kelsey. So, way too early. Big 12 odds. Let's go through this. Mitch, I'd like to get your reaction to these odds. Uh, again, Vegas. This is a little different than one of us media idiots <laughs> getting on the web or getting on TV or radio and saying this is what we I think. I am an idiot. So keep that in mind. I am an idiot, but this is not my work. This is not my doing, so don't get mad at me if you don't like what we're about to say here. This is what Vegas is posting. It's, again, it's, this is to get you to bet. All right, so that's what that's what this is for. They want you to place money 
and this is what they're doing to get you to do it. All right? So they do it by giving, I don't know. Well, there's, these are not even wins, right? It's just odds. They're not even doing, we already did that, what, a couple weeks ago, Jeremy? The uh, the wins, losses, so over, under on wins, losses. So that's not what this is. This is which team has the best odds to win the conference title. Before I do this, Mitch, again, way too early. We haven't had spring football. There's still the potential of more transfer portal. In 2024, anything can happen in any day in college football. I have no idea. But right now, as of today, who do you think is the favorite to win the Big 12? I'd probably go Utah. Yeah. I'd probably say that Utah is probably the, the betting favorite. Is that what it is? No, it's not. Interesting. It is interesting. Now, I will tell you this, Mitch, on this day right now, and I flip-flopped on this, but after the schedules came out, it helped me formulate some things uh, and, and parse things out and get a little better feel for what might happen because not everybody plays everybody, right? Right. So, for instance, Utah's not playing the Kansas schools in West Virginia. Schedule was very favorable to Utah. Okay. BYU, on the other hand, is dealing with a gauntlet. Their odds, because of their schedule, go down because of the strength of schedule is much more difficult than Utah's. But uh, I like Kansas State and Utah in the uh, Big 12 championship game. And then from there... We will see. But it's interesting because those two teams aren't going to play each other in the regular season. Now, Utah will play Oklahoma State. They'll play Arizona, who I think are other contenders. This is what Vegas thinks. Let me run through these, Mitch, and you can stop and tell me if there's any of these that you think are interesting or out of whack or surprise you. Kansas State is 3-1 uh, to one odds. Utah's not far behind. 7-2, to two, plus 350. That doesn't... You know, surprise me as much when you when you lay it out there with Kansas State because the losses that they had in the transfer portal were probably more mutual. Like, yeah, probably in the best interest for both parties to they might for be you upgrading to move on. a quarterback. Yes, I, I do believe that with Avery Johnson and let's just call it what it is. They've got Pop Tart Bowl karma on their side. Ah, so no, no that but, is a thing. <laughs> you know, you wonder too. Like, what's the team in the Big Twelve that just teams want to? lay down the action or fans because Texas was always that team. Yeah. We were so it's like their, their odds are always elevated uh, because that's where the action lies. That's how this works. Yes. Uh, for those of you at the, all education, all, all uh, entertainment purposes. on how Vegas works, Mitch. <laughs> entertainment purposes. Uh, but uh, Kansas State uh, is a very good football team. And I think like Utah, they've had some consistency where you know what you're getting from them because – What's tough about the Big 12 is that, yes, it's a weird hodgepodge from Orlando, Morgantown to Salt Lake and Tucson and Tempe. Uh, it, it's just like all these teams, wild uh, chain of, of results. It's just any year can ha- it can be something different where these two teams have consistency. And Kleiman and Whittingham, I think, are the two best coaches in the league. Agree. And I think that that gives them the upper hand going into – a new world. Like, this is a power conference league, yet it's basically a startup. It's This is a new thing. I mean, this is basically rewrite the record books, the history. This is a new conference with a new story to be told, and these two teams look to be the favorites early on. Absolutely. So I said Utah was second, 7-2 to two odds, plus 350. Kansas comes in third, 13-2 to two odds, plus 650. I'm not going to explain what all this means. Uh, Arizona, 7-1. to one. They are fourth. What do you think about that? I think that that's that's fair. And since you know our way too early picks right after New Year's on on KSL Sports, obviously big coaching change yeah. with Jed Fish. But I think that 
know, Arizona, I just think there's this assumption with any sort of coaching change, it's going to maybe have a little bit of a feeling out process, new personality, new leadership. I don't think Brent Brennan's this known commodity where you say he steps in and just instantly wins. Like, I don't know. Uh, with San Jose State, he had that great year in COVID. But outside of that, like San Jose State was kind of mediocre. Now, that's right. a that's a program that limited resources, not much commitment. The fact that he even was a somewhat consistent team and won some SEC venues, that speaks to his coaching ability maybe. But uh, Arizona, like this is the most – preseason hype Arizona's probably got since the days of Dick Tomey, Desert Swarm. I mean, like, you know, late 90s. It's Which been a minute. concerns me. Yes, so. This is not a comfortable position for Arizona. They don't know what I had of this. This is not basketball where they're used to that. But football, they don't understand this world. So that could be very difficult for them. And maybe it's wise to have them a little bit lower on the prognostications in the odd side. And Noah Fafita came on the scene last year as a freshman. Everyone knows who he is yes. now. They'll scout for him. I think it's going to be more difficult for him, uh, at least a little bit in the Big 12. He'll have to overcome that. I'll rip through the rest of these. Texas Tech, 8-1. to one. Fifth. UCF, 10-1. to one. Sixth. A little high, but there's a lot of yeah. – their over-under for wins was high, too. R.J. Harvey, K.J. Jefferson, probably the, maybe the most explosive backfield, like big star power there. Vegas loves UCF. Yes. Iowa State next at 12-1 to one odds. I like them. So that's seventh. It could be really good. Oklahoma State, 16-1 to one at eighth. This is the one I'm like – no, nah, I'm pretty sure they got the best running back in the country. I know their quarterback is mid. This team's going to be better than seventh or eighth in the conference. It's just the the wide range of probabilities with them. I mean, they, they can they're either going to get blown out or they're going to win some game in epic fashion, like they did against BYU. I mean, to to comprehend a team that gets blown out by South Alabama, gets blown out by 42 to UCF, but yet. Beats Oklahoma, gets to the Big 12 title game. Just kind of a wild probability. And the thing is, too, is that their recruiting trends are sliding steep. They're 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 putting together their worst recruiting classes mm. ever under Mike Gundy. I don't know how much the, the Sharps are looking at that sort of action, but there are some trends that may make it go long-term in this new Big 12. Is Oklahoma State going to be near the top? TCU ninth at 16-1 to odds. West Virginia 10th. 22 to 1 odds. Baylor, 45 wow. to 1 odds. Colorado, 50 to 1 odds. They got Baylor over Colorado. That's interesting. Cincinnati, 66 to hmm. 1 odds. Arizona State, 100 to 1. There's one team I haven't mentioned yet, and we're down to 14. Now 15. Houston, 101 odds. Wow. Coming in at last, BYU, 125 to 1 odds. How much money are you placing on <laughs> BYU in Wendover when we're done with the show? <laughs> Uh, I'm not laying down any action on that. You're not going to put your mortgage down on that? <laughs> no, I am not. You're not, you're, you're not going to get a life insurance policy for your for your elderly uh, grandmother? <laughs> no, no AT&T Stadium for BYU this, no. this year. I feel pretty confident in that. You're not going to have to fake your own death <laughs> to get the insurance money to pay for your gambling debts on that one? <laughs> no, nothing like that. But, yeah, that's that's surprising to think BYU in the 16th spot, but – I can understand it. Because we talked about it in the opening segment. You, If you rank the quarterback units in this league, BYU is probably 16th. And mm. look, Houston might be 15th uh, because they brought in a quarterback from Louisiana to battle with Donovan Smith, the, the returning starter. But, I mean, that's just what it is. I think a lot of that's tied into the quarterback play. And 
statistically, when you dive into the numbers of Big 12 games for BYU last year, it wasn't pretty. It just, it just was not good. And, and BYU did not play well at all. And again, like they're a new team, like so many are in this league because it's all new. But like BYU doesn't, you don't know what they are. Like, what yeah. do they want to be? Like, I think you, I know they want to be a physical, kind of like a carbon copy of what Utah is because that's the same scheme defensively they're going to run. But offensively, what are you going to be in this league? I, I don't know yet. I, I, is it going to be a pivot to more of a physical ground attack and relying on the ground game? Maybe because that's we're seeing that shift. In college football, with Michigan winning the national title, maybe teams are going to lean into that, and that's where BYU goes. But until you get kind of some sort of identity in this conference, uh, that's kind of fair to put BYU in that spot. There you go. There's your way-too-early Big 12 Conference Championship rankings by odds in Vegas. Wild. All right, we got to take a break. Up next, should we throw court stormers in jail? Some head coaches in college basketball would like us to. I'm kidding. But there's a lot of sharp words, a lot of debate. We're going to put in our two cents here coming up next on JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, you're locked into JJ and Alex. With the insight and analysis on the teams you can't live without. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I would love to be storming into a weekend right now, but we're doing the opposite. We're coming out of a weekend, but we're going we're gonna to plow through this Monday as we continue to do so. We hope all of you are enjoying the show wherever you're listening, whether it's for a little bit or the whole time, whether you're in your car or it's still at work. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Jer- Jeremiah Jensen, Mitch Harper sitting in for Alex Curie today, and we're having a good time. Uh, you know who didn't have a good time? on Saturday was Duke. Duke basketball, they lost at Wake Forest, which if you're Duke basketball, that's pretty rough. I've actually been to Wake Forest. I went uh, there last year with uh, Utah Valley to experience a road trip with them, and I got to go see a game at Wake Forest, the house that Tim Duncan built. I don't even know if that's true. Chris Paul obviously (laughs) went to Wake Forest as well. They have a good alumni, but uh, their basketball program's always been in the shadow of Duke. And so when Wake Forest beats Duke at home, Obviously, the students are going to get a little riled up, and I'm sure that students at Wake Forest probably had a little bit too much to drink before the game started, and what did we have on Saturday? We had a problem because uh, Duke's Kyle Filipowski was injured by a fan on the court during Wake Forest fans storming the court, and it caused all kinds of controversy, and I'm sure everyone's talking about it today, and we're no different. We're going to do it for a short segment here, but Mitch, I wanted to get your thoughts. What do we do about court storming? Love it, hate it? Should we get rid of it? I love the image of it, but I think we got to get rid of it. Yeah. I think it's got to go by the wayside because it's a cool visual, but like think about the Super Bowl. You know, we had a streaker on that one. The camera's not panning to it. Like we don't we don't highlight and promote any sort of person going on the field to play for football or anything like that but basketball we kind of romanticize this court storming deal but it's just not safe and when you do mix probably we don't know for sure but probably alcohols can be consumed by these college students it's gonna uh, create these situations where a student's knee bangs into philip kowski's knee and well 
now that one of the top players in the ACC and in college basketball this year got a banged up knee. And that's just not a that's not a good thing. And I just feel like we've got to get rid of them. And they, they, I think also, too, because they happen so often for some places. Credit the people in this market. They don't storm the court for much. Like, I can't recall. There's probably two at BYU. Huntsman Center hasn't had many over the years that I can recall. No. Uh, like, it takes a lot for a court storming. So I guess our market, we understand, like, when it happens, it's a big deal. Yeah, Utah State fans didn't storm the court when they beat San Diego no. State the other day. But I just – I think we can move on from them. And yeah. I, 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 but I, I don't know how you actually – enforce it does it have to be 150 security people in bright colored shirts with security tape is that what it's got to be do you have to arrest them as some people have said i think that's a bit extreme but is that the fear that's got to be placed in these students like hey if you step on the floor if you jump on the field at a major league baseball stadium an nfl stadium or even you run out on the court in the nba stadium you will be arrested yeah says it on your ticket so arresting actually would do the trick Here's another one that Alabama AD Greg Byrne uh, proposed. He wants to levy a forfeit wow. if teams storm the court. So imagine <laughs> Wake Forest having this huge, massive win over Duke. And Wake Forest is on the bubble. Yeah, They're trying to get in the NCAA tournament. They got a good chance. That win helped their cause. I think they're the last team in right now or their first team out. They're right there. Imagine having to forfeit that game and having your bubble burst. Because your stupid fans ran on the court when they knew they couldn't, yeah. and you had to forefoot the win. Well, and the thing is with this one, too, was that I believe there was 0.5 ticks left on the clock. Like, it wasn't yeah. a full clock is expired. Right. There was some game action left, games in the bag, but still some actual game time left. The and ball the, was still being dribbled on the court when fans entered. And the court and the fans are there, and that's why the Duke players are still on the court. And I, I just think they, they've got to – Maybe a 30-second hold to let the other team get off the court and then let them have their fun. Maybe you just have the players go into the stands and celebrate with the students and crowd surf and maybe you do it in there. I don't know. But I just feel like it's it's got to be done because with social media now, everything becomes very polarizing and you see the clips. And when you what, the moment I saw this, I'm like, it's Duke. It's a top player. This is the end of court storming because <laughs> Duke is just one of those – polarizing brands in college sports where you either hate them or you love them and they conjure up an opinion. So when it's them involved and they got a top player, like, yeah, this is going to be a a controversy and and rightfully so, because you don't want to see a top player getting hurt because a student bangs his knee into that guy. It's just not necessary. And really there's no need for those, those students to be on the court to begin with. And I know it does sound fun, but it's just a safety issue. You don't want some player to then throw a swing student because that could happen i mean the the emotions are high after a tough loss someone starts swinging who's who's to say that wouldn't go down so just avoid that altogether i don't want to see it go away and let me explain why it, it so i think you can prevent what happened by holding the fans off the court until the other team leaves and then let the kids pour onto the court and have their fun they're in college it's awesome. It allows them to be part of the experience because that is what this is about. Yeah. It's a college experience for not only the players playing, but why are students coming to the game? To be a part of what's happening on their campus, school pride, and having that moment and sharing it with their team that represents them. Don't take that away from the kids. Okay, I think it matters. I think it's important. You, I've been on the field during court sto- uh, field stormings at Utah, at BYU, at Utah State, and the energy is unbelievable. Yeah. Do I worry a little bit? Is it a little uncomfortable out there standing in the middle while all these kids are running around? <laughs> sure, but it's a spectacle. 
And let me tell you, as somebody who's done television for a long time, I put highlights together all the time. Slam dunks, uh, game-winning threes, and court storming are the three most popular highlight things that get the most attention, that are the best video that we show. Not fights? Four. Fights. <laughs> okay? Fights don't happen as often as the yeah. other three. So I'll throw fights in there. Yeah, okay. But you get my point, yeah. Mitch. Yeah. So you want to take one of these away? No, not ideally, but I you feel like You see what I'm saying? But I feel like, like it's got to it happen. Is, it is a highlight. It is a visual. It is part of the game. It is a tradition. It is a part of the college football and basketball experience, and you eliminate it, and it takes another thing away from the tradition that we're already whining about is being chipped away because of what? TV and money. And what would that be? The man continues to ruin the game, right? If you're a student, the man won't let us rush the field. The man makes us play at 10 p.m. or 9 a.m. because it's because the Fox said so. You get what I'm saying here? Yeah. Like it I becomes do. more corporate and more stale, and you lose what's special about it. So I understand the concerns like you that people have. It's a safety thing. I think that it's if managed properly. You can have the best of both worlds, get the opposing team off the floor, shake the hands, get to your locker room, and then let those kids go out. You can contain that crowd for 15, 20 seconds, which is plenty of time for them to shake hands and get to the locker room. If they can pull that off, then by all means, do it. But that was a failure of epic proportions. That's it felt the problem, like, for, and Wake, Wake Forest, Forest blew it. They totally blew it, and even their AD acknowledged as much that they they dropped the ball. And and I just I feel like you, just, you don't want the risk of – those emotions. I mean, it just feels like when you have a tough loss, and to, to some degree, that's a rivalry game, probably more for the Wake Forest side, but conference game with high stakes involved, you just hate to see some student get in the face. I mean, I remember, what was it, Utah Storms of Field 2012, and gets that student gets in the face of Bronco? Bronco's yeah. right about to go. I was standing right there. Suspenders. <laughs> hey, like, suspenders, how you doing 12 years yeah. later? What are you up to these days? I mean, can you I just – I just feel like that those sort of things could a defining moment in the rivalry. We're going to get one of those one of these days yeah. and then that's going to ruin it and so the day uh, Bronco Mendenhall almost <laughs> committed murder. I was standing right there. Wow. But it's part of the it's just, it's part of the tradition. So I, I it feel is like an epic visual. You've though. got to figure out how to make it work for both ways cuz you don't want it to go away but yeah. yes, it does need to be more safe. The the facilities have to do a better job. All right. That was awesome. We got to take a break. It's time for Jazz Daily when we come back. The Jazz with a nice win last night over the Spurs, who aren't good, but man, Victor Wembanyama sure is. We'll talk about that and about this developing young Jazz squad coming up next. JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.